0: This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Geist Interactive. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. There's a lot to know about the FileMaker platform. Some of the stuff we learn, we use every day. And then there's a bunch of knowledge that is used once in a while. Our understanding of these items might have more gaps. Luckily, Wim DeCourt, Senior Technical Architect at SLINE Consulting, my former mentor and now friend, sets us straight in all things backups. We talk strategies for backing up one or many files locally, on the server, and in FileMaker Cloud. Wim and others have written a lot about this topic, but it could certainly use a refresh. So here it is. During the interview, I learned a lot. I got clarification on things like hard links and how FileMaker Cloud does its backup. So let's get into this important and less exciting topic of backup strategies. Hey, Wim, welcome to the Context Podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well, glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to, to talk with you again. Um, heard your origin story, I don't think it's aired yet, but, and then you were on our second podcast episode. So glad to have you back in the uh, mid forties, I think we are, so um, that's, that's good. That's um, cool. Yeah, you know it's 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 really tough, but it's fun um, when people want to come on and talk about something technical and and you know just get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, it's 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 fun. I'm actually finding a lot of integration episodes. We're we're doing a lot of integration episodes. A lot of JavaScript, of course, and just. It, it, it's fun to get really down in the weeds about it. You wouldn't think that a podcast would be a good forum for this, but people really want that. people are asking people ask me for more technical podcasts, so that's uh, good. yeah, they don't like it when I get a little too uh i don't know storytelling or <laughs> whatever. philosophical maybe maybe yeah I, I mean, I like that stuff. I like the you know concepts of Filemaker I think are great and and such. Absolutely. Yeah, transactional ideas are good, but anyway, so I am glad to have you on here. We're going to talk about backup strategies, and the reason we're going to do this is because I have in the past couple of weeks um, done some of my own research about this, and I swear every time I Google FileMaker backup strategies, your name is comes up in Google right next to those three words. So you must have done a lot of work about a lot of writing and a lot of answering questions about backup strategies, right? Um,
1: I have, I have, and it fits in with uh, with what we talked about in my origin story is the the importance of deployments, right? And backup strategies and everything around that squarely fits in with that.
0: I was wondering. I was worried that this would be too small of a topic to to talk for an hour, but I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot to think about. Certainly, things have changed in the past four or five years. With, I think, with different ways to deploy um, the, your filemaker file, but and we'll get into that in a minute here. But um, the other reason is because you know, along with Google, I mean, I think everybody just thinks of you as the backup strategy person. I imagine at Salient Consulting, you are the backup strategy person, right? You are the backup person, right?
1: I, I would say so. Um, and again, I think it fits in with being the deployment and the server guy, right? I mentioned that when we talked about this a, a while ago about deployments in general, is that i, I truly I truly believe uh, from having seen a lot of that in, in the real world, is that the our clients get the most value from the solutions by by having a good uptime, by being mm-hmm. able to to work with those solutions without having to worry about um it crashing. And if it does crash with with having something to go back to so that they, that they minimize the data loss, if, if any data loss at all, right? So for me, that's really where the value of our solutions is. And yes, we will have to craft them so that they actually do what the client wants to do and that it's performant and all of that good stuff. But it's really in the deployment. I think that a lot of the value is for the client. So whatever we can do to make sure that that deployment is solid and secure and performant and all of those things, the better we. We will be able to deliver that value to the to the customer.
0: That's that's an interesting idea because we always talk about the development point. I mean, blog posts galore talk about you know making a list view scroll faster or you know doing this or that or in the best method. But rarely do questions get asked or blog posts get written about about server stuff, uh, especially backing up so i know you write a lot you and stephen blackwell do write a lot about that but it's the less sexy part of filemaker work i think right and if we're lucky enough to work in a development shop we just pass it off to some guy named wim to do right <laughs> yeah
1: exactly it i agree it's it's not the sexy part of the development right the sexy part of development is is employing a new technique or discovering a new technique and or a new feature and being able to uh, to make it sing right um Deploying not so much the um, it, it's a challenge that I have put out there in the many the de- DEFCONs that I talked about is and and my challenge is simple we are good developers but are we good deployers uh, and I want people to think about that because there's a lot to be gained from from doing that well.
0: You bring up an interesting point. Are we good? We're good developers, but are we good deployers? Does does everybody need to learn how to deploy uh, a Farmecer? Solution, or can we just pass it off to somebody like you, or or Todd, or whomever to deploy it?
1: It's a really good question. Uh, the short answer is no. You don't need to be. You don't need to have the skills yourself, but you need to be aware of all the factors that go into making a good deployment. Um, it's all sort of like the same question about uh, SQL or JavaScript, right? You don't need to be an expert on all of these things. Um, but you need to be aware that they exist, what they can do, and at a very high level, how you would go about doing that. So that when you're in a conversation with a client and something comes up, that you can speak intelligently about what is possible, what is not possible. Uh, If you then want to turn around and and pass it on to somebody who knows this stuff and does this every day, I think that's just fine, right? The FileMaker platform is deep and wide to the point that I don't think any one developer can really be expert at every single aspect, uh, right? And that includes server deployments, that includes security, that includes mobile and WAN and JavaScript and integrations and APIs, right? So there's a lot in the Finamica platform that it's okay if we focus on on certain aspects of that as long as we're aware of the other things, right? Um, I think that's the key.
0: I really hope that one day the certification test reflects this in some way. It's It's really tough to test everybody on every part of the platform, and it's tough to know every part of the platform.
1: It certainly is, and I fully agree with you, and it's something that I know you and I talked about once in a while in, in the last 10 years or so, I, I and I agree with you. I think the FileMaker certification test ideally would certify certain aspects, right, so that you have somebody who is recognized because of his certification as a bit of a security expert or a, a server deployment expert or um, an API expert or or whatever it may be, right? Um, I think that would serve our our community really well. If we extend it a little further, I think in the community, and I think Microsoft's community does that really well, where they recognize people who have a proven track record in that with their MVP status, right? I think I would want to see something in the FileMaker community as well. Have you seen any
0: shifting of direction in that way in our community?
1: I I have not. and I haven't really chased it in the last uh, two years or so, but it's um, it's something that I, would, that I would want to be involved in and, and chase if, uh, if there was the opportunity. So I'll, I guess I'll keep pushing for that. Today's episode
0: is brought to you by FM Perception. You're working hard and in the zone, writing scripts, defining schema, and building layouts. You stumble on a calculated field you didn't remember defining. Where is it used? Can you delete it? What did your past self intend to do with this field? Well, without breaking your momentum or thought stream, you can turn to FM Perception to tell exactly where that field is used in scripts, on layouts, or in a calculation somewhere. You can find out if it is safe to delete or whether it should be kept. FM Perception is the only real-time developer intelligence tool for FileMaker developers. FM perception exposes every detail of your FileMaker database structure. You can find out where fields are used, where scripts are used. You can discover every place, any script step, or any function, including execute SQL, is used throughout your system. And you can easily see broken references. FM perception also gives you insight into areas of your system that are a little bit more tricky to find and discover. For example, you can see areas of indirection, all the places you use global variables and those names, and even index indicators, those fields that are indexed intentionally or otherwise. FM perception's power is in its speed. You don't need to stop and wait for an import to happen before you can get the answers to your FileMaker questions. Simply run an XML database design report and open that report in FM perception. Download the 14-day trial of FM Perception and experience yourself real-time developer intelligence. What? So we're talking about deployment. We're talking about, we're, we're not talking about the entire um, steps of deployment. We're just talking about the uh, deploying a FileMaker file to customers, to clients. We're just talking about the part of it where you back up the file or files. Um there's a whole other. There's a lot of other deployment steps, and you know we can have you on to talk about those later on. But as far as backing up um, our files, what overall factors determine our backup strategy?
1: There's two big factors, uh, two big questions that that you would want to ask uh, the client, really, because the decision is at the client's level when you talk about backup strategies. And and the first question is, how much data are you willing to lose? Mm-hmm. and the second question is how much downtime uh can you stand or, or are you willing to accept and it's the answer to those two questions that will determine how you put your backup strategy together um what techniques you you uh you put in place the frequency of your backups and, and all of these things um but it's a business question uh, at heart right the, okay. the client needs to answer what what that is and obviously you can imagine the client will say well i'm not willing to lose any data and i'm not i don't want to have any downtime which is an acceptable answer to the questions but obviously the less downtime and the the fewer amount of data that the client is willing to lose that will also determine the cost of that strategy Mm -hmm. right Um, because if you say no downtime and no data loss we're talking about high availability setups and deployments so it goes way past at that point it goes way past just figuring out how often you do a backup, um, oh. right? Because then, then your deployment shifts into a different level, uh, which is typically called high availability, what big companies do with redundant servers and, and, and all of that good stuff, right? So hmm. so there is a cost to answering that question, which, uh, which makes it a really interesting conversation to have with the client, right? Because the client will automatically say, well, I don't want to lose any data and got to be up and running always and Mm -hmm. then you scale it down from that right we say yes that's doable but that's not realistic for most of the deployments
0: it's not realistic that's an interesting idea have you ever built something uh, a whole strategy around zero downtime and zero data loss
1: never with zero um but i've certainly built deployments that um that have very stringent rules around that um with um, I think the shortest was something like a 10 minute downtime and and just amount just about that amount of data loss. Uh, actually, the data loss was something like five minutes. Um, five minutes and ten minutes downtime, which is tough to do. Uh, there's a lot of moving uh, moving components to make that happen.
0: In all of that, in that ten minute, maybe we'll get into specifics in a bit, but in that 10 minute window is that means someone's available every <laughs> ten minutes of the day. To be, there's a human element to all of this, Absolutely. right? Yeah, there's we don't in all of the strategy and the redeployment. There's no automatic um, re
1: rehosting of a file yet, right? Is there anything like that? You, you can come? if you really wanted to. Uh, you oh. can certainly automate the whole thing. One of the and we'll get to to that I guess a little later. Uh, technology changes too, right? The, the way that we we think of backups as backups done by a filemaker server in the traditional way and even that has has changed over time on on how filemaker server does that most of the filemaker servers we we see and certainly the ones that we deploy are on virtual machines which opens a whole different uh, slew of of uh, possibilities for doing the backups right we can now look at the hypersphere uh, snapshots and and all of that good stuff which are which which you can automate so you can automate the backup obviously because that's We've always been able to do that. You can also automate the, the restore. Um, so you can certainly automate that whether you want to is something else, right? Because there's always that element that you'd want to know why you need to restore. Um, and sometimes you can make that sometimes you don't have the luxury of sitting down and, and figuring out by looking at the logs why it went down in the first place. Sometimes you, you have to punt that until after you restore. Um, but 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 there is that element where you'd want to have somebody eyeball it or make a, a decision what kind of restore this is, ah, uh-huh. right? Okay. Because there, there may be different reasons why it's down. Um, and it could be as simple as the files were closed properly, but the files are not available. And it's not really a restore, but it looks like the server is down. Uh, so you don't want to restore and potentially incur data loss if it's just a matter of opening the files again, right? So sometimes they crash Looks like a crash, and it's not a crash, and and you need to make that judgment call before you take action. Um, but to your point, there's definitely more than just choosing a um, a technique or or, um, or or a strategy. Very often, it also comes with uh, procedures. Right, you have to write the right procedure, and typically, a multitude of procedures where somebody where you state what what the procedure is for to, to say. This is for a, I don't know, say that you have a deployment with multiple servers uh, and this could be like a single server crash where you say, well, here's a procedure if one server uh, is down and here's a procedure if all of the servers are down. Right. And that's very often where the the human element comes into play. Somebody needs to make that judgment call, pick the right procedure and then, then work the right
0: procedure. Time, uh, time down, and data loss is, is the factor. You talk with your client about this. Do you? Is this something you do like right at the beginning of a project, or do you wait till you've got the file developed to to talk about this?
1: It's a conversation that it's not the, f- the very first thing you talk to with the customers. Obviously, sometimes the customer brings it up because it's mandated and, and it's a very important aspect of of the whole of the whole project. But it's it's a question that you want to keep in mind. Because sometimes the way that you architect the solution has implications for how you can do your backups and your restores. Interesting. Um, and it's, as a very simple example, if you have a fairly complex uh, solution with multiple tables and whatnot, you still have the choice of putting everything in one file, one physical file maker file, right? Mm-hmm. Should you? Because if there's a lot of static data, it may be better to split that off because then you can take advantage of certain native backup um, efficiencies that FileMaker server has right so, so sometimes the way that you would put things together, you do that w- in, in w- with the backup strategy in mind as you're as you're going along. So it's something that you would mention to the client as you go along. you wouldn't wait until the end. Uh, you wouldn't lead with it either but certainly it's something that is part of the of the specs gathering phase. Okay,
0: so I'm trying to I'm I'm going slow here because I'm trying to make sure that I keep the thread going and, and, and because this is complex, it's you're, you're right, it's not sexy, it's pretty complex to think through. It's it's completely understandable though for a filemaker developer, right? Just like I would advocate, JavaScript is you you you've learned it, other people have learned it, so it's it sounds complex here in this audio only podcast, but it's really understandable, right?
1: Agreed. The um, it's it, like many of the things. If um, if a developer has never really considered it, then it's it's probably going to sound daunting and say, "Whoa, that's a whole different ball game," and and it really is. But it's not that difficult to get into, right? And certainly, our community has a lot of good people who have done these things and and have have a lot of experience with this and and are willing to help people, right? All it takes is asking a question on the community forum, and away we go.
0: Well, well, that's good to know. So we can everybody can continue to listen. So <laughs> here, so we're backing up our files um, in some way so that we um, we don't have any downtime or we have as little downtime as possible. We have as little data loss as possible. So in in my time in the community, I see people asking about backups a little bit with we in three different ways. And and correct me if there's more or if if one of these doesn't make sense, but. As far as um, a local file, I'm interested in how, what strategy you would go to, about to back that up. I'm also interested in, of course, server backups, which we'll spend a lot of time on, and cloud backups. With FileMaker Cloud, I don't really know what that means as far as backups. So I want to focus on those a little bit. What, what would you do in a local backup scenario?
1: Uh, Host it on server. <laughs> okay. yeah I know it's a glib answer um, but that would be my first reflex right okay. uh, I don't think I actually don't think we have any deployments for any clients that are, are local files mm-hmm. um, but say that you had to um, the, the 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 biggest hurdle to overcome is that FileMaker pro as a client with a standalone file doesn't really have any any background processes for for running backups like server has right server runs its backups and and if you have your server deployment chosen wisely, you'll never notice that backups are happening. So, the user isn't really affected. If the user works on a standalone file, then you have to do something that is sort of like rolled into what the users are doing, because you don't have the benefit of that background process. So, the obvious one would be perhaps uh, that you do a save a copy as when the file opens, when the file closes, Uh, maybe use an on-timer somewhere in the middle, um, maybe you do it as part of a scripted process when when you know that the user is going to do is in the middle of a workflow that changes data uh, significantly right where you say I, I want to have a bit of a snapshot here um, so that you can save out the data and do a backup the biggest the biggest pain point is going to be that the user is going to notice right especially if the file is of any significant size because you're in the same, Foreground process that that the user is in, so the user will 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 know that you're doing a backup.
0: Okay. So 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 locally, you would just never tell people. Just it's okay to run it on your machine. Let it let it happen. I mean, if it's just them working with it, then you know they could rely on their Time Machine backup, I guess, right? But that you know, if if something fails, right? But
1: yeah. The thing with, with hosting a file locally or, or, or being the one that, that that the only one that's that's working with a file, the way that FileMaker interacts with its own files, whether it's FileMaker server with the files that it's hosting or a local copy of FileMaker Pro with a file that it has open, it's still a database server, right? It still wants exclusive access to to do the reads and writes to, to that file. So it may be tempting if you're the only user to say well i'll put it on, on dropbox right or i'll put it somewhere where time machine can grab for it from it or or do something like that it's not ideal because those processes will decide by themselves when they want to write or grab a copy of, of that file and it's been known to to not work really well uh, with filemaker's own exclusive rewrites to it to the file and, and it's one of the main reasons that i would Advocate for putting a FileMaker server in place, even if if you're the only one using that file, right? If that file has any importance, if it has any value, really, um, then I would say put it on server, even if you're the only user.
0: Okay. And doesn't uh, FileMaker server come with FileMaker now? I mean, last I saw licenses were you get three server licenses or something right
1: the the, the basic license these days is um uh, covers the whole platform right it's so you yep. don't you don't really yep. buy uh, x number of clients plus you buy a server and it it's basically you buy the platform mm-hmm. uh, the entry level is for five user license and you get the three servers okay. uh, in that package plus a data api allotment plus the, the use of web direct and go so um, and I believe the maintenance model for that is $900 a year, something like that. So I don't find that e- expensive. Yeah. Um, and it covers everything.
0: That's interesting because when I see people complaining about the prices, I see that they're talking about the FileMaker app, but it's it's the whole dang platform that we're working with. And as as you just say, even if you're the only person using the file you should get it up onto a server which you can you get free as the you know and you get the free as part of the the, the platform so you're paying for the platform you're also paying for being able to back up your files as often as you need it to be backed up right so yeah.
1: exactly and yeah. and you you, you were prompt a really good thought there at the end of the day deciding on a good backup strategy and by extension, backup strategy fits in with something like disaster recovery strategy or business continuity strategies. Those are like the official terms that you can Google in and figure out what people are thinking around those or what some of the considerations are that you should be making um, when you talk with your client about these things. At the core of it, and that's why it's a conversation with the client, is a, is a bit of a risk assessment, right? And... and at its most simple, the risk assessment really comes down to when it comes to backup strategy, not about security, right? But the risk assessment really comes down to how much is this file and its data worth to you, right? The intellectual property of the file and its data, how much is it worth to you? And, and how much would it cost you if you didn't have it anymore? Like if it goes away right now, how would you run your business?
0: All right. So local backups, I, I remember writing a file um, that would automatically, maybe not automatically, but you'd have to re- press a button to back it up and it would save a copy of the file somewhere on the, on the hard drive. So that was, a. a it seemed like it was a hacky backup strategy, you know, same lines of doing some of your own, uh, logging in, uh, screens and, mm-hmm. and procedures. So that's probably not a recommended thing to do. Um, what about server? Okay, so here's where... Actually, I want to go to cloud first because <laughs> because it's cloud first. And because I've, I, I'm i not sure, maybe you can help me. Is cloud, for, is cloud backup procedures, are they easier to deal with than server procedures?
1: FileMaker Cloud automatically backs up for you, right? You don't have to create a backup schedule. It just does it for you. And it does it, I believe, every 20 minutes. Okay. Um, under the hood, obviously, because it's all in the cloud and they use AWS infrastructure, they can, and when I say they, I mean Clarus, because when you buy into FileMaker Cloud, it's Clarus the company that does all your DevOps for you, like the, the maintenance of the machine, the upkeep, uh, the monitoring, and including setting up the backups. So as a client, you don't have to worry about it. It just happens. And you can access the, the backups from your admin console. So it's pretty much taken care of for you. Um, so it, 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 is it easier than with FileMaker server, the on-premise version, the one that you installed yourself, it it is because it's already running. Like as soon as you get your FileMaker cloud server, it's already configured and up and running, right? So there's really nothing you need to do.
0: So, okay. So, so a person who's using cloud, FileMaker cloud can simply deploy it, put their file up on the cloud. Is there any thoughts of backups that you have to do as a as a developer?
1: Not really. Uh, Not I really. think the the main thing to be aware of is is how FileMaker Cloud um, how often it does it, and and it does it, I believe, every twenty minutes, right? So you still have to make that consideration w- whether that's good enough for you. And okay. I would say probably for ninety percent of the deployments, that's going to be just fine. Uh, okay. If you look at some of the files and solutions that you deploy, like what is the typical backup strategy that you set up once a day, twice a day, every hour, every 30 minutes. Um, So having a deployment that runs a backup every 20 minutes is is pretty darn good. Uh, That doesn't mean that it's a right fit for everybody, right? Because you still have to have that conversation with the client to say, hey, cloud does it every 20 minutes. Is that okay with you? And then the other thing you have to do as a developer is you have to ideally you want to do like a, a a test restore, right? So that you you're, you're you're familiar with that process. What does it look like to grab a file and 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 rehost it? So that if, if you have if you have to do it in anger uh, for a client, that you're familiar with that, right? That it's not scary, unknown, all of that stuff.
0: Okay, we'll we'll get into restore in a little bit, but FileMaker Cloud cannot work for people who say they want zero downtime, right? And uh, sorry, zero data loss, right? Because if a backup is running every 20 minutes, automatic backups, then you you potentially could lose 20 minutes worth of data. Is that correct?
1: Uh, Correct. Um, uh, Worst case, uh, absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah, if somebody really wants a zero minute downtime and zero data loss, that really means that you have to in, be in full control over every aspect okay. of your deployment. So you wouldn't outsource that to anybody. Okay. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, full control means
0: some sort of on-premise server. Okay. Absolutely. Um, but for for but FileMaker Cloud can work for most scenarios, um, as we'll talk about in in uh, in the server. As I understand, there are three sort of. Levels of, of backing up strategies. Does FileMaker Cloud have three levels? Does it have multiple levels of of, of backups?
1: Um, no, it just has the one. Um, okay. I'm I would have to go back to see whether it does progressives. I don't think so, but uh, I'll I'll reserve judgment on that one. Um, it, it just does the uh, what we what we would think of as regular backups. It actually does them in a very special way, and and we'll get to that. Okay. Um, it's so it's it does it in a way that is it's not hidden from us. Uh, we we know how it how it does that, but it, it's it does it automatically. We don't need to worry about that. Um, okay. If you do, if you have the on-premise version of FileMaker Server, um, you you get your regular backups, your progressive backups, and depending on your deployment, you can choose to do the backups like Cloud does it in the background too. And I'm sure we'll get to that uh, later in the conversation.
0: So the point of As I understand the point of FileMaker Cloud is that it's going to always be up, right? It's on AWS's servers. So there's little to no times when your server could crash, which is something that could happen when you're working with an on-premise server. The the machine could go out, the power could go out. All that kind of stuff causes you to lose (laughs) access to the file. And possibly needing to uh, restore, do a restore, but cloud FileMaker cloud doesn't have that those problems, do they?
1: They, they could well. <clears throat> uh, how's the, what's the best way to frame that? The finalmaker cloud as a deployment is. is is governed by and monitored by the, the people at Claris, right? So they have a support team that looks at those things, looks at the logs, get the advanced warnings if something is about to happen. So they can use all of the AWS tool set okay. uh, to make sure that the server has um, uh, the best possible uptime. Okay. Right? Uh, could it still crash? Yes, it could, right? Okay. Uh, but then as a client, you can rely on the fact that the Claris support team is gonna take care of that. Oh, okay. um, and, and that's it if you if you have an on-premise server um, and that's sort of like the, the whole thing with backups and 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 uh, and having a good set of number of backup sets to restore from and all of that stuff that's really the tail end of your your deployment that's all sort of like the backstop ideally you'd never need to or want to restore from a backup um, so hopefully and okay. that's another uh, totally different uh, topic but Ideally your deployment also includes good monitoring so that you get advanced warning of things that are about to happen, so that you can take proactive actions instead of waiting for the crash to happen and then having to restore from a backup.
0: All right. So let's let's move into server because this is where at the moment a lot of people are at and it's it's what you would recommend instead of local. Um, and it it gives you complete control. So you mentioned a bit ago that FileMaker server comes with a, a complete backup strategy, right? It has incremental backups, progressive backups, and what was the third one?
1: The, the third one would be the new um, startup uh, recovery or the startup restoration feature, wow. um, which is a little iffy at this point in time, but it's, it is it is part of the tool set.
0: It, it sounded to me like it was a restore, not necessarily a backup, but it... It is doing some backing up of the data, obviously, if you're going to restore it, right? So,
1: yep, I- exactly. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, it's a little muddled, I guess. It's not a, a backup mechanism in and by itself. Um, and actually, uh, let let's start there because I think that's okay. a good way to to think about strategies and tools, right? Because FileMaker Server doesn't really come with a backup strategy. It comes with a set of tools okay. that you can oh. use to build your your strategy with. Um, to to your liking based on the answers to those two questions, right? So it really comes down to being able to take backups. If we start with the traditional one, that is the backup schedule. If you look at a backup schedule, you get to choose which files you want to backup, um, what the frequency is in which you want to backup, meaning how often. The, the, The third aspect to that that is really important is how many sets you want to keep right? When, when we go back to the two original questions is, uh, how much data are you willing to lose? That is going to dictate the frequency in which you backup, right? If the client says, I, I can, like, it's okay if, if I can go, if I have to go back to a backup of that's an hour old, I'm fine with that. Then obviously your backup interval would be every hour. Um, okay. So that will give you, if you only keep one set, which is the backup of one hour ago, you only have one restore point, right? You can only go back to to the backup of an hour ago. And and that fits with what the client expects, right? If something catastrophic happens, I can go back to the, the state of an hour ago. But what if the client comes to you and says, you know what? Um, I deleted an invoice uh, yesterday evening. Um, could you take it? Could you restore just that invoice for me, <laughs> right? And it's not an uncommon question it doesn't really fit into a disaster recovery kind of strategy Um, but at that point you'd wish that you have multiple restore points right so multiple sets that you kept so when you set up the backup schedule in filemaker you set the interval to fit whatever the the maximum amount of lost data is but you also set the number of sets that you want to keep so you can go back to an hour ago two hours ago three hours ago however far you want to go back right so that that is the the, the normal traditional farmica backup schedule, and you you're really in, you're you're in full control, right? You can dictate the interval and how many sets to keep.
0: That's interesting that you would I, that you would want to keep multiple backups for the reason that someone says delete I deleted an invoice two days ago or last night or whatever. Um, I, I as I was working on a deployment, I was thinking about this like why would I keep more than one backup? So especially incremental maybe the the hour ones maybe you don't need to keep uh, many of those but maybe another schedule is the daily ones and you're keeping multiple of those. Do you do you have a like a when you when you go to set up a bunch of schedules do you have a certain sort of default in mind for like incremental the 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 more frequent the 15 minute ones versus the daily ones?
1: Sure. Um I think the the incremental backups or progressive backups, as they're sometimes called, um, in and by themselves are not good enough as a backup strategy for me, right? It's clearly it has to supplement um, the the traditional, the usual, the regular backup schedule so that the two go hand in hand. And the main reason for that is progressive backups only gives you two sets, right? Um, so I think the default interval is, is really short. It's like five minutes, meaning that if you keep to the default, you'll get a backup set that is five minutes old when it's 10 minutes old. That's it um So th- oh. that's not really a good backup strategy. An overall backup strategy, I would say, absolutely do use them, right? Because they will give you the most recent backup sets. So say that you change it to run every fifteen minutes. Uh, as a total, a bit of a segue, but clearly, the the shorter you make the intervals, the more often backups will happen. And backups are very intensive on Diskio. Yeah, I was going to. Diskio also happens to be one of the two main. Bo- Probable bottlenecks of your filemaker server to begin with, so clearly your backup strategy has an impact on on what server you choose, right? What server specs you choose. So that that is not something that we should forget. But going back to the main point, the progressive backups gives you two sets, um, and and if you say you change them from five minutes to run every fifteen minutes, you'll have a backup set that is you have a set of data that it will be fifteen minutes old and one that is thirty minutes old at most. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. Okay, that gives you something to restore to. And then if you say, I'll also do one every hour and I'll keep those for say eight hours, which is usually like a full working day, um, then I'll do a daily backup, um, which just keeps one set. Uh, well, actually no, let's say, let's keep that one seven sets so I can go back a week of, uh, yeah. of uh, daily backups. And then maybe a weekly one that I'd keep for, I don't know, um, 20 weeks, something okay. like that. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so that would be a fairly typical schedule um, to set up. All of that, like I said, has impact on, on the disk IO, but also on the disk space, right? So you ha- that's something else that you have to calculate ahead of time and make sure that, you, that your server has sufficient room for, for that, plus what, it's, uh, what else it, it has to do. Um, so the, the regular backup schedules and the progressives go hand in hand. And if you use them together, they're really powerful.
0: Okay, so the I think I'm maybe I'm mistaking the words scheduled ones and incremental ones are different, right? In your mind, is that what you're? Is that what is that what you said earlier? Or- they, they
1: are they are different in the way that they are two different and distinct features of FileMaker server. Okay, right? so you you can configure yeah. them separately.
0: Okay. So a, a, a scheduled backup is one where you set the schedule yourself and you say, I want it to back up every 15 minutes. I want it to back up an hour. Um, you have different schedules. Th- those are the scheduled backups. Okay. And yep. that's the one where you tell it, you can. I want you to save the, la- the, the, the 10 most recent uh, backups. Okay. Correct. But an incremental or progressive backup, you can only keep two. Talk to me about how the incremental or the, the the progressive backups work. Is there some? I never understand which file I can pull. You know, there's two files on your hard drive on the server machine. You can use one of them. You can't use the other. Can you help us understand that?
1: Sure. the um, The main thing is that both the regular backups and the progressive backups, uh, when they're done, will produce a full set of your files, right okay. uh, the, the set is always complete. okay There's such a thing called hard linking and we can get into that uh, later. Um, but that's the main thing to remember right? when a backup is done, it's always a complete set of your files.
0: Okay.
1: A, a regular schedule will actually take a full copy of your files and, and move it to the to the backup uh, destination folder. That's just how how they work, right? They basically say, hey, I got this whole file, I'll copy it over, that's my backup. Progressive backups uh, function, under the hood, function somewhat differently in the sense that when you enable progressive backups, FileMaker's server actually keeps a change log of all the changes, the data changes and schema changes that are being made to the file. And when the backup interval is done like at the end of the 15 minutes if you set it to 15 minutes it will take the older of the progressive backups and sort of like redo all the changes that were done to the file oh so in that sense it's faster than the equivalent taking just a bulk copy of the file and moving it to the backup uh, schedule and that that's that's the reason for its existence right it can do the backup faster because it has less work to do uh, huh. it just functions completely differently it, but the main th- the the main thing is at the end of the day when it's done you have a complete set of your files.
0: It, it the progressive takes just the changes just the five records that you created and the two layouts that you deleted, and it makes those changes to the, um, to the file that's sitting, <laughs> sitting somewhere else, right? Is that, that's what you said.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. So. When you, when you enable the, the uh, progressive backups, it actually takes, it has to prime the pump, so to speak, right? So it'll take a full copy of your solution and move it okay. to its own folders. Okay. Um, so that, that is that is its starting point. And then as soon as it has that, like that that's what happens when you just flip the switch, right? You say, I want to use progressive backups. Uh, and then from that point forward, its interval kicks in, right? So it'll just sit there and it'll collect every single change that's made. When the interval is over, at the end of the fifteen minutes, it'll say I have this list of changes. So I'll take a copy um, uh, of of that initial set of files that I have, and I'll because these are now fifteen minutes old, and and I'll redo all those changes, and that becomes wow. my new copy of the files.
0: Interesting. It has okay. It has less work to do because it's not starting from scratch again with a brand new set of your files and this really is applicable and you know it it, you can see a difference in it when your files are multiple gigabytes right and you've got absolutely yeah Yeah. okay any any 500 megabyte file progressive backups doesn't seem not that it's not worth it but it's just it's you know it's not going to save a whole lot of time right
1: exactly the smaller your files And and the faster your disk I/O, uh, the the less of a benefit you'll get from progressive backups in in its performance, right? Uh, If you have a if you have a monolithic fifty gig file, uh, and you just change one record in one file in that fifty minute interval, then yes, progressive backups are going to be very very fast. Whereas the traditional backup will actually have to copy fifty gigs worth of disk space.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you talked about in incremental in in one of your answers that I've seen in the community, you talked about how incremental backups, progressive backups are as close to transactional as we, as we have.
1: Um,
0: what, what does transactional have to do with backing up?
1: It, it, not not transactional transactional in the sense that some that it's something that we can leverage as um, as a developer, right? When okay. typically when we talk about transactions, we're talking about the ability to to write our code and filemaker so that when changes to the records are made in batch, that we can also revert them as as one complete batch, right? For whatever okay. reason, um, so that that's typically how we think of transactions when it comes to to backups that doesn't really apply there's nothing in the backup features that we can we can use in that sense
0: what do you mean though that it's transactional as, as close to transactional as we can get is that in an increment it will make all those changes at once or none of the changes get made what did you mean by that
1: the the context for for mentioning transactions when it comes to backups is is more um, around the, the that change log Right. Oh, okay. So where, where, okay. Where those then get get applied? So the transactions that all the users collectively have made, plus the developer when it comes to schema changes in the file, that that's all like your transaction log that FileMaker Server keeps. Okay. But but we don't have insight into it. It's not something that we can leverage as a developer. Okay. Okay. But, but in essence, that that's how how it uh, how it goes. And and if something were to fail in the progressive backups, applying that transaction log to the oldest of the files that it has to work with if that fails then then your backup progressive backup hasn't done e- hasn't worked either right so you can't really end up with a progressive backup that is completed but is incomplete okay okay <laughs> if that makes sense
0: yeah and you mentioned that these in- incremental backups are are io intensive because they're running every 15 minutes on top of the scheduled backups on top of normal file access your server is doing a lot of work, so you need to have a robust machine to to be able to handle this, right?
1: Exactly, and and that speaks to the point that I was uh, making earlier. Uh, and it's one of those things that will that is a, a distinction between somebody who's good at deployments and somebody who isn't, right? Where when you have that conversation with your client about backup strategy and and how many sets you want to keep and and how quickly you think the backup should happen so that you can fit to how many they want to uh, want to have done that really speaks to picking the right server for that task right because clearly backups um, running the backups is an important task of filemaker server so it should have the resources to dedicate to that task plus all the other tasks that it does so so you, you picked the right server to make sure that that your server isn't a bottleneck in in all of this. It seems like this would be
0: an interesting idea. I don't know if it's out there, but some sort of like form that you would fill out that that says, yeah, here's how big my file is, here's how many people are going to access it, here's how many times I want to back up my 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 files. Tell me what hard drive to get. Tell me what you know speed tell me the, the the hardware configuration that I need for this to work
1: I think that there's potential to do something and and um, it's actually came up with a, a meeting uh, conversation I had with some people at Clara's uh, last week uh, to to think about these things ah. um, we have to be a little careful that so that's the big caveat we have to be a little careful because there's there's a lot of variables involved here Um and and one of them is the architecture of the solution which is not something you can anticipate right because mm-hmm. uh, because people can really can build anything with FileMaker um, and they can they can build it in any which way that they want and not all of them are, are good design choi- choices that people make uh, it is what it is um, but certain aspects of it could be made into something like aws has with its calculator like if you want to figure out how big right. is, uh, how big a um, uh, or what the different things are like for picking a server, the instance type, and and the and the disk speed you want, and the disk size you want, and the transfers. I think there is potential to okay. do a bit of a calculator like that for certain aspects. Certainly, like for the disk size you want, it, it's it's one of the things, and and you've I'm sure you've seen me respond to some of these questions on on the community forum where somebody will come up invariably and says, um, "Is a Mac Mini a good server for 25 users?" Mm-hmm. Right. It's an impossible question uh, because the n- the number of users is 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 a very poor proxy for what the server will need to do. Right? Uh, we, we mentioned the backup strategy will dictate or partly dictates how much disk space you'll need, how fast yeah. that will need to be. If you have twenty five users just reading data, that is not intensive. If you have twenty five users creating reports with sub- summaries and un- unstored calcs, it's a totally different ball game. Right? So. Yeah. So that is the part, that's the caveat. That is the part of all these variables that is that will make it hard to come up with a nice calculator. But I think we can do something there. So we should continue that conversation and, and come up with something.
0: Could you take, this is a little off topic, but could you take, like let's say you're doing those things and after a month. Could you take like the the logs of the FileMaker server and run it through a calculator that says, oh, wow, you're doing a lot of intensive processing because I assume those logs tell you, you know, every time the disk the the file is hit or accessed, you're, you're getting that information, right?
1: Absolutely, that is provided that you turn those logs on, um, because a lot of them are unfortunately turned off by default. But but yes, that's exactly what those logs are for, right? FileMaker Server is really good at logging information across the four traditional bottlenecks, disk your processor, memory and, and, oh. and uh, network throughput. So, And that's exactly what you would use them for. Like, yeah. If you don't okay. know how to pick the best deployments, or, and even if you do, you turn on the logs and then you revisit them after a week or after a month and, or after any significant period of time that, that has seen pretty much all the, if you have cyclical activity, that kind of thing. Um, you look at that and you look at what the numbers say uh, to say, do any of these numbers reflect a potential pain point? If yeah. so... How do we go about fixing that? Okay. Um, and if you're not familiar with that, you can't really say, "Well, I'll get the, I'll, I'll put in 64 gigs of RAM." If RAM is not your your pain point, you're throwing away money, right?
0: That's a that's a good way to do it. So you may not get the the, the deployment, you may not get the hardware configuration right the first time, because it ended up being more you know, intensive processes than you first thought of. Could be, but you use those logs to revisit and then you know upgrade your hardware as necessary right
1: exactly and that's the beauty of uh, virtualization where you have that ability to uh, to tweak pretty much every single setting like you can assign more processors you can up the memory in a in a very efficient way Um, and and even if you pick the right deployment like you look at the that the logs after after a week after a month and and Nothing shows any potential pain points, and you say, "Yep, I did my my job re- well." Yeah. It's really good to hold on to those logs because, say, six months down the road, the client says things have become much slower. We don't know what's wrong. Yeah, then you can look at the logs and compare them against your initial benchmark and and see which of the numbers have changed. Seems like this is
0: you're right. This is a good discussion to have throughout development because if 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 you only ask a client at the beginning, okay, how many times do you want to back up and so forth, you're only getting one part of the hardware configuration needs. We're kind of veering off topic, but this is interesting and it's it's in my head. So I want to, you know, if 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 your developers are developing intensive PSOS's <laughs> perform script on servers or or intensive processing that you weren't aware of as the server guy, you could have still built the wrong configuration for them because backing up is part of the what stresses the machine but but it's also the entire front end access right and the processing so you want to have this conversation with your developers and you want to kind of revisit it throughout the development process
1: okay absolutely and almost never is anything static right um uh, and it could be every single aspect. Maybe maybe the client puts in a new switch or or, or switches its Wi-Fi routers, or all of a sudden they hire five more people, right? Yeah. Um, so these things are going to change over time, and and it's good to have numbers because numbers don't lie. Uh, numbers are there, and, and it gives you it gives you peace of mind too to be able to say I have my baseline from way back when yeah. when everything was fine, and I have now I have something to look at and to look for. Instead of just shooting from the hip and making wild guesses as to what could be uh, what could be happening,
0: have you written about this specifically, like using the the logs to, you know, it's been like a while. It's yeah, been a it's while. been a
1: while. The um, okay. so it's not a, not a bad thing to revisit.
0: Yeah, it's just another data point that that people would need to look at throughout the life of the uh, file and as it's been deployed so
1: okay it, it's one of those things where and this is um uh, again a bit of a segue but it like I said it's it's top of mind for me and it fits into this um with the advent of lots of things like machine learning and AI for me feeding the the pharmacologs to something like that so that it can learn your normal and then oh. alert you when it's something is abnormal i think is is now possible right it's within within reach this used okay. to be the thing of the future and and, and very uh, very uh, iffy but but i think it's becoming more real and not that hard to do if i could just find the time you
0: could have your philips hue lights turn red when when things are abnormal
1: right when, exactly when it- <laughs> and, and Exactly. And and here's here's a really cool thing where where things are about to turn abnormal, right? Because oh. that's where the real power is. Because anybody can tell you after the fact that something went wrong. It's it's knowing <laughs> ahead of time that is the really cool thing.
0: You could have that fish start to sing a song. Absolutely. When things go bad. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll uh I'll find that, that DevCon session and, and put it in the notes. Um <laughs> So I, I see a lot of people asking about moving backups off of the, the particular machine. Is that part of a backup strategy? And what is involved in in that process?
1: Sure. Uh, any good backup strategy, and not limited to FileMaker server stuff, but in general, anytime you do backups, it is there's there's such a thing called the 3-2-1. Um, mm-hmm. And it means that you, in essence, it really, what it really means is that don't put all your eggs in, into the same basket, right? Okay. Don't. Don't do all your backups only on your FileMaker server machine, right? Because one of the disasters that you need to cover is if that machine goes away, right? If all your backups are on that machine, then that means that also your backups are are gone. Clearly, you don't want to do every backup off machine because that will impact the time it takes to restore, right? So you want to have uh, your most recent backups on the machine because that's the fastest to restore, But you also want to make sure that you have them on a different medium um, in different places, right? So back up to the cloud, back up to your network somewhere. So do something that you... uh, And again, uh, how often you do that and where you put them, that really comes into into your chosen strategy, right? and that's why you have to cover these bases with procedures because uh, one of the procedures would be restore from, from the progressive backups because that is going to be your most recent backup and it's going to be on the machine. But what if it's not there? Like, what? where do you go after that? That should all be in that procedure because that procedure is going to give you that peace of mind that you don't have to panic like if something happens, right? You can just read and choose and, 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 uh, and follow along the instructions that you've basically built ahead of time. So, yeah, you, you want to have something uh, away from your machine.
0: So how does it? How do you do that physically? With uh, like, let's let's talk about just a filemaker server. Do you have a an external drive, you know, just plugged in that you are manually moving files over? Are you?
1: I typically use whatever the operating system allows me to do. Um, okay. And it's a question that does come up a lot in the community where somebody has an external drive uh, or or has a network location and and they want to make filemaker server backup to that um I typically don't do that right I let FileMaker server do its backup as quickly as possible which is going to be to one of its own local drives okay and then I invoke something from the operating system to say now zip this up or, or just plain copy it across the network or copy this to the cloud the the main reason being is that FileMaker server is done right FileMaker server has done its backup and it's available locally the the flip side of that is if I didn't do that if I wanted to have FileMaker Server write directly to the network that's going to be much slower than having FileMaker Server back it up locally right mm-hmm. It's okay. and it not only is it slower it's also a lot more fragile so if something goes wrong on the network while FileMaker Server is doing its backup you have no backup okay. if you let FileMaker Server back up locally and then do the operating system uh, have the operating system uh, move or copy the files to the network if something goes wrong in that copy to the network, you still have your backup on the local drive, right? You can still use it. It's still a valid thing to restore from. And that's the main reason why I, would, I wouldn't I would let a server do the backup to uh, to something off-machine. I would use the operating system uh, for that. Okay. Uh, just copy it to a network share that's on, on somewhere on the network or use something like S3. S3 has excellent command line uh, utilities that you can use to... Uh, to just sync to the cloud,
0: yeah. Describe that for me. That's using AWS. If you if you're hosted on there,
1: you can, or even locally, right? Oh. Uh, it doesn't have to be. Uh, oh. Even if you have an on-premise server, as long as your filemaker server has access to the internet, uh, outgoing, right? So okay. it can push stuff to the internet. You can install on any machine. Uh, say that it's a Windows server. You can install the um, the S3 command line on your oh. server. And once you have that, it, it really becomes a one-liner to, to then, um, and then you can, because it's a one-liner, it's a command line, you can roll it into a VB script or a batch file, meaning you can have it scheduled with FileMaker Server. And it's really, at its core, it's a one-liner that says, hey, uh, here's my backup, uh, sync this to uh, to my S3 bucket in the cloud. And you're done. It's, it's as simple as it gets. And, and there's some good blog posts uh, from people in the community that that have working examples of that.
0: S three is a is a part of AWS. It's just another place for your files to be, right? For your correct. Can you configure your AWS machine to immediately back up to an S three um, drive, or you still have to run through this S three command line thing?
1: The doing the command line thing is probably for most developers going to be the easiest way to do it. Um, okay and if you host your own server in aws the beauty of that is because s3 is also within that whole thing and and that server is going to be in their cloud already it's mm-hmm. going to be blazingly fast mm-hmm. um, that, that's the beauty because it doesn't really have to, it doesn't really depend on your internet connection at that point in time it's just within the aws realm and it's it's really really fast that really comes uh, opens up I guess the part of the conversation that has to do with the non-traditional ways of doing backups, um, and that really applies to virtual machines. Uh, it, it can apply to physical machines as well, and it's snapshots. Okay. Um, snapshots sits underneath what Farmecia Cloud does for its backups. Right? When Farmecia Server Cloud, when FileMaker Cloud does a backup, it doesn't use the traditional FarmMaker Server backup schedule. Uh, it uses snapshots. Okay. And you can do that with your own uh, cloud-hosted servers, and even with your own on-premise bare metal uh, servers, if you want to. Uh, but it takes a little bit of special care because FileMaker Server, as is, isn't snapshot aware. As it, snapshot really works at at a lower level. It doesn't copy a file like a regular backup uh, does, right? Like a, when you schedule a backup schedule in FileMaker Server, it physically copies the file. Even progressive backups will, at some point, copy. A physical copy of the file. When you do snapshots the snapshot mechanism will actually read from the block structure of your drive and figure out what blocks have been changed and and really take a snapshot of that. So it doesn't read from the files as in like a file system, it does it at a much lower level and because it can do that it's way faster. Um, you, You can back up a 500 gig drive in, in less than a second.
0: So I was reading through the Claris documentation, and granted, this was a couple of years ago. I think uh, it's hard to sometimes it's hard to know what version you're reading. But they talk about third party backup methods. Do you use third party backup methods? Is this this? I mean, is S three considered a third party? Are there any others out there that could be used?
1: Sure, uh, we're talking about backup software, in essence. Okay. Uh, right. So even the snapshots that I mentioned, you could consider those as third-party backups because yeah. Windows has a, a native uh, volume snapshot VSS uh, built in that IT departments absolutely love. So you you can consider that to be a third-party backup. the The issue with third-party backups, including VSS um, volume snapshots in Windows, is that w- when when they when they run, they will take a copy of the file. Full stop. That's what they do because in essence that that's that's what they're meant to do right they're meant to take copies of the files and store them somewhere that you can restore them from the issue with that is that when filemaker server has files hosted it has to maintain that exclusive lock on the file right because it's going to be always reading and writing to the files and and when it exactly does that it's not something you can anticipate so the worst thing that you can that that can happen is that a third-party backup will grab a copy of that file, that FileMaker server still has open, and may be in the process of writing too, and that third-party backup will now co- take a copy of that file and store it as what you think is a valid backup. And it's only when you then go to, go to restore from that file that, that it comes back as damaged, uh, or improperly closed at, at when you're lucky, or damaged when you're unlucky. Because filemaker server wasn't done with that file, right? It was actually writing to that file when when, when the grab happens.
0: That's that's interesting. I think I've always been learned, been taught you should never touch that file at, in any in any way.
1: And and that that's the reason why. Okay. Right? Yeah. So because because of the unpredictability unpredictability of third party backups grabbing files, um, in relation to what filemaker server is doing with the files at that time. Um, out of a lot of pain that came from that came the best practice to say no, FileMaker server has its files you have to leave them alone and that means that you have to exclude those files from okay. any third party backups okay. um, and, and as be- like any best practice a best practice is a simplification uh, right it's, it, it's a simple rule that is easy to understand um, easy to, to adhere to and, and you're free to deviate from that if you understand the reasons why it became a best practice to begin with, right? Like, same with 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 those snapshots. If you put FileMaker Server in a paused state before you take the snapshots, then the file that results from from that snapshot is actually very safe. Okay. And because the snapshot snapshot is so quick, you you can use it. You can use it to really good effect to to do extremely fast backups. But with that huge caveat, as you have to put FileMaker Server in paused state, you have to resume it. And because you're doing two actions on your FileMaker server, that means you now have to uh, potentially wrap that in error trapping and handling, just like anything else we do, right? Like if you do something, especially something that may have dramatic effects, you got to make sure that you test that it actually worked. Uh, so that that's the thing that you have to put around that.
0: I've always been interested in this, and I, I want to see if you can help me understand it. What does FileMaker server do exactly when it's backing up a file? You know. Be- these files that are being backed up are still being used at, even at the moment of backup. So, you know, let's just say a backup starts at 11 AM. Does, does FileMaker takes the file, the open file that people are logged into and it begins to back it up. Anything, any changes made between 11 AM when it starts and when it finishes are not part of that backup. They're going to be part of the next backup, right?
1: um so describe to
0: me describe to me what's actually happening what is filemaker server actually doing
1: for simplicity's sake let's say that we have one big file 20 gigs that needs to be backed up right and and, and for the records i'm not a big fan of big monolithic solutions but for simplicity's (laughs) sake it'll do um so you have 10 active users they're all working away in the file and 11 o'clock comes around and it's time to do a backup What FileMaker server will do, it will actually start copying the open file, right? So it doesn't suspend the user's activity at all. Users can just continue to do, it'll start copying the open file because FileMaker server has lock on that file. So it knows exactly what it's doing, because you may be thinking, Hey, didn't we just say that you could, you should leave it alone. (laughs)
0: Right.
1: Well, FileMaker server obviously knows what it's doing. So, but it'll start copying the file without locking it or closing it. When it's done copying the file it will very briefly pause the file. Mm-hmm. So that, that happens at the very tail end. So FileMaker has a 20 gig copy of the file uh, that, that reflects the state at, at 11 o'clock at the beginning of the backup. So anything that happened to the file since it started copying the file will now be synced into that copy of the file. Oh. Um, so that, that's at the very tail end, that's when FileMaker server suspends the user activity for a little bit. So that it can do that last last gasp sync, and then it okay. releases the file again, so that the users can uh, can can get to that. Typically, the users don't see that, right? It's only when you have like huge files and a marginal server resources, while processing and disk I/O, that the users would uh, would see this uh, thing. That's when the users would get the coffee cup uh, symbol. Oh, okay. Um, so th- that's how it works.
0: Okay. Have you? Uh, that's 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 interesting. I didn't realize that it did a last ba- a last gasp sync. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, it'd be fun to test that, you know. But you you kind of would need a twenty gig file because that'll take a lot of time. It'll take relatively a lot of time versus a five hundred megabyte file to back right? I mean, I could not make any changes in a five hundred megabyte file during the backup process.
1: No, exactly. So you'd have, to, you'd have to set it up so that in the time that it takes to copy that 20 gigs of file, that you do enough changes yeah. Um, yeah. and then make that, that sync slow enough. So you have to pick a really marginal, bad FileMaker server machine um, so that, that that syncing takes sufficiently, sufficient enough time that you'd see the coffee cup uh, happening.
0: How, and how how do you know that? How do you know what it's doing? Is it just years of experience on, uh, under the hood stuff? Talking with Clara's people. What's your
1: um, mostly under the hood stuff? The this particular uh, way of doing backups was introduced. Oh, I have to think back, maybe, and FarmMaker Server Seven. Okay. Um, I think that was when when they introduced this particular form of backup, um, and, and at the time. Uh, FileMaker Claris uh, was in the habit of doing um, what they called kitchens, wh- where they would talk through the new features and, and explain how they worked. So that was a really good source of information.
0: That's who's uh, who's the who's the, uh, who's the server guy that 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 people can talk to at Claris Engage or or elsewhere. Who's the current? Uh, it server it guy?
1: used to be John Thatcher. Uh, he was the the, the server guy the, and the go-to guy for for many many years. Um, now they have a slew of different engineers that work on that. Um, okay. If I had to ask questions, uh, and, and if if the person was was open to having the, the answer to the questions, it would be Clay Mackel.
0: Okay, okay. I need to get Clay on here. You could just I would just let him talk for five hours about <clears throat> the underlying under the hood stuff. So hopefully one of these days, what does uh, what does cloud do when it's backing up files? Is it significantly different than what you just described?
1: Cloud uses that snapshot thing. So oh, it, it doesn't even bother with the traditional backups. It, it does it at the hypervisor level at um, At at like, it's not even inside Linux because they run on Linux. So it, it happens on the outside. Mm-hmm. So it actually reads, uh, the, well, it, it doesn't have physical drives uh, somewhere underneath that in virtualization. Obviously there is a physical drive, but, but it, it reads from the block structure of the drive. Um, and it does it that way. It, it's what we do with Soline Cloud as well. We call them snapbacks. Okay. Um, we do the same thing.
0: Is there any pause? Is the pause significantly shorter in a, cloud, a FileMaker Cloud scenario backup than a backup scenario than uh, on-premise?
1: Yes. Uh, the, 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 the pause is still there, but it, it is significantly faster. Uh, and, and the pause is there because you have to make it so, right? Um, okay. And that's why... The mechanism that we just described is FileMaker Server doing its own thing, so you don't have to worry about it, it just happens. Fair. If you want to use a non-traditional thing like like a volume snapshot, it's it's up to you, the deployer, to make sure that you put FileMaker Server in the paused state, then do the snapshot, then put FileMaker Server uh, back in, in uh, basically resume FileMaker Server. And there's command lines for that, right? FMS admin pause and FMS admin resume. So the, the tools are built into FileMaker Server. But it's now your responsibility to make it, uh, make it happen and make sure that you, you, uh, you uh, trap for it and all of that stuff. Because the snapshot doesn't happen inside the operating system. It, it, that, that's where the, the real speed benefit comes from, right? Okay. Plus it's differential. It doesn't, if you have a 500 gig drive, it doesn't take a copy of the whole 500 gigs. It's smart enough to figure out like block five and 10 or changed, and I just need to copy those blocks, but it can still reassemble the whole drive at will.
0: What, uh, we're getting to the end here, but what about container data? What does what, what what happens with with container data that's stored externally in a backup?
1: The the essence of storing your container data remotely with the remote container feature is that that the content of what you put in that container becomes its own physical file on the in, in the file system, right? So, okay. uh, if you put a PDF in there, uh, say, for a really simple example, you have make a filemaker file with one record with a container and use remote containers. You put a PDF in that. Your solution, when you look at it in the file system, is one filemaker file and one PDF file, right? So like two physical files uh, that that exist in, in the file system. Um, when Filemaker Server does a backup of those, and this is a feature that only exists in Filemaker Server, right? You you cannot have that with um, with a, a regular regular backup, uh, like if you do safe copy as or something like that. Uh, if you if you don't host a file, but Filemaker Server um, obviously, like I said, the the one thing to remember is that at the end of every backup, no matter how you do the backup, progressive or regular backups, the end of a backup is always always a full set, right? So your solution is always intact. There's never a scenario in which FileMaker server does a backup and you just have the FileMaker file or or you or like a partial backup. It's always the full set. So what happens is under the hood, FileMaker server has this really cool feature um, where it uses hard linking um, between backups that happen within the same schedule. Um, so say you do a backup at 11 of that file. right? So FileMaker copies the, the FileMaker file plus the PDF file, puts it in a backup folders. Now 12 o'clock co- comes around, and you did make a change in the FileMaker file. In, in essence, you, you changed some text fields, but you didn't change anything. You didn't change the PDF. You didn't insert a new PDF or created new records. So the 12 o'clock backup comes around and FileMaker looks at what you change and says, Hey, the FileMaker file has changed, but the PDF is still the same. It will create the complete backup set, complete with folders and files. But instead of wasting time and this space, copying that PDF over, it will create a hard link in the, in the file system to that original PDF file. Okay. So that when you, when you, as a developer, uh, go, go look at the file system, you'll see two copies of that PDF. But they really occupy just one piece of disk real estate.
0: Huh, interesting. And so then when you go to do a restore and you grab the last backup, it's using your when you press commands C or when you move that last backup into another onto the desktop to restore to do a restore, in that process, you're getting all of the the actual container data, no matter which <laughs> backup it was previously in, right?
1: Exactly. As a developer, you don't you don't have to worry about the fact that FileMaker Server uses that hard linking in the background. Uh, no, you can you can safely grab any backup set, and and be reassured that you always have your complete set.
0: Uh, is hard linking a, a a is that a normal thing, or did FileMaker sort of invent this idea?
1: No, no, it's a feature that exists on, on both Windows and macOS, in, in, and same with Linux, by the way. But it, it exists at the file system level.
0: Oh, okay. It's not a filemaker. Uh, filemaker server is just tapping into this feature. Okay,
1: okay. Yep. Do yep.
0: I use is hard linking used in any other applications? Any other? Processing?
1: Time Machine uses it extensively. Okay, that's exactly what Time Machine does, right? You can you can you can restore your your hard drive to any point in time. But obviously, your time machine volume, your backup drive that you use for that doesn't have the space to to go back and have like a full copy of your hard drive going back two months, right? That's not how it works. But um, so it does. It uses hard linking under the hood, but it's intelligent enough that if you want to grab then the state of your backup from a week and a half ago, it can reassemble that and <laughs> present you with with the full set. So when you're deleting a backup, you're deleting all of the
0: physical files that are that are new to that backup the the the, all the changes of course but all the container data and you're deleting hard links to previous but you're not actually deleting pdfs uh the physical pdfs from three weeks ago right
1: no exactly so if we stick with that example of we have a backup from 11 and one from from 12 right Uh, if you went in and you deleted the 11 o'clock backup. Because uh, that was the one that had the original file and the original yep. PDF. Uh, if you when you delete that, uh, when when you go oh. in and you instruct the, the operating system to say go and delete these files, what the operating system does is, is it'll look at that PDF and say, and what it, it'll know, it says I have two hard links to that file, right? One one that points to the 11 backup, one that points to the 12 backup. So I will not actually physically delete the file from the drive. I'll just remove the oldest of the two hard links. Uh, So your PDF remains intact. Now, if you were to also go and delete the uh, the 12 o'clock backup and there's no other backups, the operating system will say, I have this PDF. There's only one hard link to it. So I'll delete the hard link, but I'll also clear the disk space for this.
0: Interesting. We've, we've talked all about backups here. I think we've we've gotten most of what I was interested in. Um, I'm sure there's stuff that I don't know um, still that I forgot to ask you. Um, do you have time to, to take the next step and talk about um, restoring? Or, um, do you I'm good. Need to, nope. You're good? Okay. We can, we can go for a little longer. First of all, this is a silly question, but are there any downsides to a robust backup strategy? <laughs> is that is, is would somebody look at their strategy and go, "This is overkill. This is too much."
1: <laughs> the uh, n- not if you answer the questions to begin with, right? Um, and, and obviously, a business needs change over time. And, and like I said, nothing is really static. So it would be one of those things where I don't know at every opportunity. If it's been long enough since you put a particular backup strategy in place to go back to your client and say hey while we're looking at this does this still apply do you still need so many backups or do you at this point in time need more backups because maybe their solution has become more important not less important mm-hmm. right so it's a bit of an ongoing conversation as part of your uh, as part of your customer management right and, and it's a good opportunity to to have a conversation with your, with your clients uh, as well and help them think through Things like disaster recovery, business continuity, clients love that stuff, especially the smaller ones, who are not inherently thinking of this themselves. As consultants, we can bring a lot to the table. Um, so it, it's you can really add a lot of value to your conversations with your clients by by doing this stuff. So yeah, the, the restore that that's very often a pain point. Like we, we as developers and deployers, we often put backups in place and then and then basically stop right there. Right? We say, hey. We got backups, um, and then something happens, and we have to restore from the backups and we restore and either there's files missing or or the the backup um, hasn't worked or, or or the files are damaged by the backup, and we don't know why that came. So the restore is is very often where where things that are misconfigured will come out and hopefully you catch them ahead of time, which is why best practice is to to practice these restores right mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. become familiar with how to do it how long it takes and and help cap to capture errors in, in the backups uh, ahead of time before you actually need them
0: that's that's an interesting idea it, it seems to me <laughs> backing up the backup strategy is very it's very hands-on it's not just set up a, a couple schedules and be done with it it's it's a lot more. It's looking at the logs. It's looking at, uh, you know, it's 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 doing manual or or setting up a, a, a batch file to do this the the offloading to another drive. It's very it's very hands on process. Um, and you just mentioned testing a, a restore. That's a interesting idea. I don't think I've ever heard that as something to practice, but it makes sense because. You don't do that every day, right? At least you hope you don't do it every day. You've got to get it in your muscle memory, your your brain a little bit, so you know what to do in the event that this that you do need to do a a, a restore.
1: Exactly, and, and bigger companies will insist that you do that because that's part of their protocol, right? That's okay. they have big right. IT departments, so they have all the, the the procedures and processes in place to do that, and they will they will insist that you practice them twice a year or something like that. Um, the same principle holds true because there's a lot of value in that, and again, the reason why is to reduce risk, right? Because I've been around enough disasters. Uh, to, to see, and I've done it myself, where you're, un- you're under the gun, right? Like the client calls you and my server is down. Um, I, 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 need, I need my files up like immediately or I'm going to lose a big chunk of my business for the day. So you're, you're stressed out. You're under the gun. You, you go to the server. You can't find the backups. You don't know which backup is the latest, uh, wh- whatever the reason is, right? Um, so you're flustered. Um, you're in a bit of a panic. And, and when you're in that state, very often you'll make the wrong decision. Uh, that's just the nature of the game. That's just what happens when you're under stress. So the whole point of rehearsing this, and and if you're not rehearsing it, then at least have it written out as a very simple step-by-step. Here's where you go. This is the location of the backups uh, with a link to it so that you can just click on it and go to that network share. Um, do this, do that, right? So that it takes a lot of the stress away where you just have a checklist in front of you to say, this is what I need to do. And And obviously, because because <laughs> that's the downside then, because there's nothing worse than having a checklist that is out of date, which is why you should revisit once in a while to say, is this still valid? Um, because maybe part of the restore is is that you have to stand up a new server and not just restore the files. So you need to know where, where are my FileMaker server installers? Where's my license key? Uh, so all of these things, right? I know you, Sri yes. Lank
0: Consulting, they, you're, you're, you've got this sort of delegated out, but this really seems like a good delegation kind of opportunity seems very efficient to delegate it to people who can just focus on server and just have access to everybody's server all the client servers and just focus on the backup strategy and changes and then the restore
1: is absolutely absolutely and this goes back to what we said in the beginning um i think it's unrealistic to expect that every single farmac developer knows all about this stuff and, and yeah. is sufficiently proficient in, in writing such a procedure and, and all of that stuff um, it's more about being aware that these things exist, that it's probably a good idea to have them. Outsourcing that, there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. However, the worst thing that can happen, and we see that in a lot of small uh, and medium businesses where they no longer have a dedicated IT person, right? They, they outsource their IT to, to one of those IT shops. Um, it's going to be a given that those people probably don't know anything about FileMaker Server and, and its best practices, um, right? So so maybe they will use Windows Volume Snapshots because they think, well, if it's good enough for Windows, it's going to be good enough for FileMaker Server, um, and, and and they'll they'll just do that, the client, and they'll explain to the client, hey, don't worry about it. We got the backups covered. We use uh, Windows VSS for that. What they don't know is that they should have put FileMaker Server in the pause state. Um, nobody rehearses these things. Uh, nobody tries to do a a practice restore, and then they restore, and the file is damaged because it wasn't in, in the in the in the in the in the proper state to do the volume snapshot. And and I think that's where the conundrum is, right? Because mm-hmm. a small farm file, filemaker developer who's mostly focused on filemaker development will rely on the uh, IT outsourced company to to know these things, but they may not know. So how do you solve that? And there's not often a very easy solution for that. So. I think with the CON presentations that I've done around this and with this with this podcast, I think what we're trying to achieve is just raise the level of awareness so that developers can ask and clients too can ask questions about this. Um, to find the right resources to to elevate everybody's skills a little bit so that we at least think about these things and and find a trusted party to outsource to and maybe find some templates of these procedures that, that you want to adopt those kinds of things.
0: You have a whole at Salient, You have a whole practice area that uh, focuses on deployments, right?
1: We have a an, a practice area that uh, that we call the AWS practice area, right? Okay. Clearly, everything that we do with our Salient Cloud hosting falls in that, and and it's run by uh, by Bill Heiser. Um, and Bill Heiser is somewhat like me. He's very much into deployments, right? He knows this stuff in and out. So uh-huh. so obviously, we have the benefit of of all his years and wisdom. Of, of doing these things and, and making the right choices when it comes to configuration, monitoring, uh, all of all of that good stuff. Inherently, in what we do, it's everything like that is baked in. And then yeah. we participate in the community, right? So we're always there to answer the questions and, and and have these conversations about, so what's a good way to do this? And, and how do I go about doing that? And, and that's what we try to do with our own uh, blogs and, and our presentations at DEF CON and, and other venues.
0: Okay, so a filemaker developer needs to be aware of this, but it's 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 good and it's good to bring awareness of this, but it's also worth finding an external a third party source that that can just handle this for you. I know you know, and again, Salient.Cloud does this, and I think we host. <laughs> I know we host some as well, um, but but that really that really uh, lets a developer focus on. The things that are more fun (laughs) because you do have you do have experts like bill focused on just the deployment part of he may never have opened any of the files that's not his concern his concern is just keeping them safe and doing a restore when that needs to happen
1: right exactly exactly it's all the back end stuff um is it's it's about having that conversation with the client to say okay if you want to host your solution and you don't want to take care of it yourself you you want to outsource it like like you said is obviously we'll do a bit of a a very high level conversation about what what does the solution do how big is it how many users do you have so that we can help pick the right server once we have the right server we'll have all the monitoring in place to uh, like some of the the things that we mentioned about the logs and proactively uh, look for signs of of trouble right so that we can take the right action hopefully without affecting the users at all. So a lot of the stuff is in the background and the users never notice it, which is the, the best place for these things to happen. Yeah. Um, so we, we take care of of, uh, of all of that, uh, uh, obviously. And and then when you want to add something else to that, that's why we we call it the AWS practice. It's everything that AWS has to offer. It's like, I don't know how many services they have, close to 2,000 or something. All of them are fair game to... Uh, to to hook up to your solution and, and make your both your deployment and your solution do exactly what you want it to do.
0: So give us the step-by-step. Make it as simple as possible so that everybody can write this down. How do you do a restore?
1: It, it really starts with with figuring out what, what uh, it, let's say, it's a simple scenario. If I make a server still up and running, you still have your server available, right? Because otherwise, it's a totally different scenario. But your server is still up there. But you need to replace your files with a with recent backup, right? Um, the first go-to would be your progressive backups because those would have the most recent set of data, right? So you go to progressive backups, you uh, you copy, don't move. You copy a set over to where your uh, typically your hosted files are stored, um, and that's it, right? So you okay. copy, don't move. You copy them over. Uh, typically, I would probably save the the whatever. The, the original set of hosted files were, because maybe you wanna do some some forensics on it, figure out how badly they are, what happened to them. So you wanna save those off somewhere and then uh, uh, copy over a set of your progressive backups, go into your admin console, open the files and you're done, right? So if you have that backup strategy working really well, a restore can be as simple as just a couple of minutes, right? Yeah,
0: the, but copying and then pasting That takes time right so if your gig if your file is 20 gigs that's going to take a little while to do so
1: it's you you would hope that your server is up to the task right that you have um, a one with sufficiently fast disk io that even copying a 20 gig file is going to be really take no more than a couple of minutes but that's good to practice right so you see
0: how long it's going to take so you you know and then you can go back to the to your clients and say yes i've practiced this it'll take 13 minutes to restore or whatever it is.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And th- th- that is so crucial, right? Because if you do a dry run, um, then you know what you're getting into. Because maybe you promised your client that you can do this in five minutes. And, and yeah. physically, it's impossible because the file is too big and the machine is too slow, which then uh, opens that that part of the conversation. You can go to the client to say, hey, this is what you asked me to do. I cannot do it with what you're giving me right? Either uh-huh. we change the architecture of the file, break it up into smaller files, or you have to get me a new server with faster disk IO.
0: Well, this is, uh, this is very good. And I've actually learned a lot from, <laughs> from hearing you talk, right? But this is, it's good to know. It's good to know all this stuff, at least have a passing understanding so that when this happens or when you're forced to think about it, you have resources and, uh, this episode can be one. I'll make sure and link to any blog posts you've written, as well as um, you know, Slack Cloud. People can take a look at that and see what what services you all offer uh, in that in that space. Um, wow. Well, this is a lot. I think we're 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 good here. I'm trying to look at my questions. No, I, I guess the the last question is: Should you ever use a crashed file in uh, in uh, in your work?
1: A, sh- a short answer is no, right? Okay. Because um, uh, because you don't know what happened to the file, you don't know whether there's something uh, lingering in that file that will at some point uh, m- make it come up as unhostable, as damaged, and, and all of that stuff, right? So yeah. so hopefully the backup strategy you have put in place and what, whatever you practiced on restores is going to get you to the place where you'll never have to.
0: Well, this is this is great. You and like I said, Stephen Blackwell have written about it. What other people in the community are? Uh, backup strategy experts
1: oh there's a good number of them um just to that uh, pop in my brain almost as soon as you asked uh, the the question the, uh, the the people at listerius in europe uh, Koen van Hulle and and his team are pretty good at this um uh, greg lane is a really good resource for for all of that stuff as well um so so yeah there's there's a lot of people that are really proficient at this okay
0: all right, I'll be sure and find them. Um, before we go, what what uh, what else are you what else are you working on? What is Soliant working on that you'd like to plug and, and shout out here?
1: Oh, um, lots of things. Right, my my list of to dos is is endless, and I like it that way because uh, it makes that i makes it so that I'm never bored. Uh, right now, these last couple of weeks, we've been spending a lot of time on the Linux version of FarmMaker Server. Um, I think that's going to be big. For, for anything that has to do with deployments, oh, okay. um, so we're really looking forward to the release of that one. Um, it's going to change some of the skill sets. It's going to require some changes to the skill sets of, of a lot of people, because if you're, if you're familiar with the Windows tools or the Mac OS tools, this is going to be different.
0: You're going. You were in a uh, a, a panel, right? For um, about. Uh, I was
1: on. I was on two panels. One on um, on Claris Connect and um, uh, the Claris Connect under the hood. And talking okay. about the performance of uh, of it, especially when using webhooks and and really hammering, um, sending data to Claris Connect, and the other panel was on uh, security.
0: And as I understand, SLINE had ten or so on-demand sessions in the Custom App Academy that will be out there at some point. Correct.
1: Yes, yes, really excited about that, and and I think we have a lot of good information that, that we're sharing uh, this time around. So uh, yeah, it'll be really good.
0: Very good. All right. Well, thank you, Wim. This is it's great to talk about backups, and you know, you you don't get called upon to do the sexy talks about <laughs> about FileMaker, <laughs> but uh, you definitely have a lot of knowledge about this stuff, and it's it's nice getting it out there. So thanks for your time.
1: All right. Thanks, Jeremy. Bye bye.
0: And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to WIMT for helping us see clearly these strategies we can take for backing up our files. The topic ain't sexy, but Wim's accent surely makes listening in that much more easy. Please take a moment to rate and review us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We have 18 reviews. I'm looking for at least 12 more. Can I count on you? It really helps to let us know what you like and what you'd like to see changed, whether through a review or by emailing us at support at geistinteractive.com. Your voice is heard and appreciated. Until next week, remember the Context Podcast is keen.